1: Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to New Books Network and Chinese Studies, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. My name is Subi Rautio, and I'm one of the hosts of the show. On the podcast today, I'm joined by Professor Anru Li, who is Professor of Anthropology at John Jay College, the City University of New York. Anru will be talking about her new book, Haunted Modernities, Gender, Memory and Placemaking in Post-Industrial Taiwan, which was published just last year in 2023 by University of Hawaii Press. Haunted Modernities interrogates the nature of shared expressions of history, sentiment, and memory, as it investigates the role of the tragic death of 25 unwed women who drowned in a ferry accident on their way to work in factories in Taiwan's Kaohsiung Export Processing Zone. By exploring the ways in which the deceased young women were perceived to haunt the living and the diverse renovations recommended, Professor Anru Li illuminates how women workers in Taiwan have been conceptualized in the last several decades. Haunted Modernities is a beautiful piece of scholarly work that elucidates how history and memory are not simply about the past, but part of a forward-looking process that emerges from the social, political, and economic needs of the present. These are continuously being legitimized and validated through its associations with the past. I will be discussing haunted, mem- haunted modernities in more detail with Anru Lee, who have the pleasure of joining me on the show today. Anru Lee, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thank you for having me today. So we're going to start the show um, in, the, in the familiar format. I'm going to ask you about what brought you to <coughs> southern Taiwan, to Kaohsiung, and what inspired you to research the politics of memory and politics of the haunting.
0: Actually, when I went to, Kaoh- Kaohsiung is in southern Taiwan, that the, uh, used to be the second largest city in Taiwan, for those who probably are not familiar with Taiwan's geography. Um, I went to Kaohsiung for another project. At that time, around the early 2000s, I just finished my first uh, book. Which focused on the, the industrialization process in Taiwan when uh many factories sort of moved out from Taiwan to first Southeast Asia, and uh, then China of course, and so I moved my uh after I finished that project uh I moved to my sort of second project, that is to look at the kind of a capital accumulation. Uh, in cities uh, through uh, renovation of infrastructure. And in this case, I focused on the uh, uh, mass rapid transit system, which is subway or uh, light rail. It is a public transportation system, and first building in Taipei, and then and second one in Kaohsiung. So basically, I went to Kaohsiung to see how um, at that time, if I may, to give uh, uh, our listeners a little bit of background, Kaohsiung uh, uh, used to be uh, the uh, is the industrial hub of Taiwan, and it is the home of many heavy industries, and and so it is essentially an industrial city. And with uh, Taiwan's uh, industrialization process, and Kaohsiung started to lose sort of that status, right? Both in Taiwan's economic sort of uh, 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 order as well as in world's um, economic order. And so when I went to tai- uh, Kaohsiung, and, and essentially I was looking at how um, Mm-hmm. The city tried to rebuild the city economy, no longer in manufacturing, but in uh, more like a city economy based on culture or based on infrastructure and based on kind of a service industry, and and and, and, and in the process of uh, reviving the city's economy. And in this case, um, and 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 as we know that when it uh, the industrial city tries to revamp the city economy. First thing or first things, uh, the city usually did or do, are to kind of boost the infrastructure, transform, uh, transform the uh, uh build environment and urban landscape, and and to make it more attractive and and to both tourists and to uh, uh investors, and so that was how what brought me to Kaohsiung, but while I was in Kaohsiung and I discovered this very, actually, it is a very small story, um, uh, but I made it so big because I think the implication is important. and we will talk about that uh, uh, in a minute. So I, I heard from my colleagues uh, 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 at the University in Kaohsiung uh, the story that uh, uh, there was a tomb, a uh, 25 million ladies tomb, that has been transformed into a, a, a memorial park for women laborers, and which sort of uh, symbolizes uh, Kaohsiung's past as an industrial city. Um, and 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 that just uh I will come to that. Uh I think that probably is our next question. <laughs> uh <laughs> um but I, I think I can I can start talking about it. Yeah. I, and and what 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 draw draw me to the story? is that these 25 uh, young women uh, uh, were on their way to work. The, the story happened in 1973, so that was kind of a, 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 around a century, uh, half a century ago, at the very beginning of Taiwan's sort of a takeoff, uh, economic takeoff based on a manufacturing industry. And these 25 uh, young women, ranging from 13 years old to 30 years old, they were on their way to work uh, at Gaosheng's export processing zone which was the first in the world um uh, and 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 they had to take ferry because they live in a small island uh, uh, outside the shore of Gaosheng and and that on that day um well the the ferry usually could carry only probably 13 20 people but because of the lack of public transportation and private transportation and 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 the plus and and everybody on the island uh, needed uh, it, it when and needed to do business or, or, or went to work in Kaohsiung, they had to take the ferry. So in the morning, the ferry actually was crammed of uh, 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 uh 70 plus people. So it was not unusual. And we could talk about the labor conditions at that time or the safety conditions at that time, but but let me just say that it was not unusual so the ferry sailed out as usual only when when it it almost reached to, to the other side of the shore uh, the ferry uh, turned upside down so out of uh, these 70 plus passengers uh, most of the passengers were saved but only 25 died and it just so happened that all these 24 uh, 25 uh, 25 i'm sorry 25 people died were unmarried young women and if you could imagine that in the minds of uh, local people, and this is not, of course, it was it it was a tragedy, right? It and and the ferry uh, actually was leaking. So uh, in terms of uh, safety, the ferry was not exactly functioning in the, the right capacity or right way. And it, it, it was a mechanical issue. But at the same time, you could imagine that out of 70 plus people who died, uh, who, who, who were on board, only 25 died. And they all happened to be unmarried young women. And so this became sort of a, a, a story a very a kind of a, a super supernatural story with supernatural sort of aspects. but what drew me into it actually uh, 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 is and I think this actually is related to to sort of a Taiwan's uh, uh, uh patrilineal kingship system right because only in in the patrilineal system um only sons are considered as the right um, Sort of members of the household and daughters eventually will marry out. And so they are temporary but not permanent members of their father's home. And this goes uh, extends beyond to afterlife, right? So after women die, they actually died as wives and and, and mothers and daughters in law, daughters in law in another household. so so because these twenty five women were died unmarried, so they couldn't go home. Their their spirits couldn't go back to their fathers' home. They were homeless, and in in their sort of a, try to solve this uh, 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 dilemma, uh, because homeless ghosts uh, can haunt they are not happy. And in the Chinese cosmology, uh, the whole philosophy of ancestral worship is based on, well, ancestors continue to live in uh, uh, another world, and the descendants have to feed them, to shelter them, to kind of take care of them, right? So sons are very important. And if you died unmarried, you have no sons, you have no homes to go back to, so you can be potential problems. And so the in order to sort of solve this this issue, and in also because they couldn't, the parents couldn't uh, see their uh, daughters, uh, uh, being homeless etern, I mean for eternity, right? and and the 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 story the story that really drew me into the whole project was that 25 women actually there are there were 22 families behind them and and so that means that one family had three daughters on board or died and another two families have had two daughters on board, also both died, and so twenty-two families, and one by one by one, they went to consult uh, with uh, village uh, spe- spirit medium, dangi in, in Taiwanese language, and the 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 spirit medium mediums then told these families that don't worry, their daughters actually are learning to become uh, learning the Tao right, the right way uh, on the side of. Uh, uh, Guan Yin the goddess of Mercy so they actually are deities to to be or to they are becoming on their way to become deities so they are not ghosts right so the the spiritual mediums then uh, uh, sort of advised the parents to build uh 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 um uh, um, uh, uh, what do you call it? uh the statue kind of a a gold statue, a statue for these uh, uh, daughters, and in Taiwanese, uh, in Chinese, is Jin Shen. because they are gods, they are not, or gods to be, and they are not ghosts, right? So as long as they are gods to be, then the families could welcome them home or welcome them into their houses and worship them as uh, uh, gods, but not as daughters. So you sort of see that the the parents, one by one by one, all these uh, 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 25 uh, uh, women then receive their uh, god statues. And so they could be rightfully welcomed home. And for me, that was really fascinating as an anthropologist because that speaks to the uh, elasticity, right? Flexibility flexibility of culture, or culture is uh, uh, open for interpretation. And the parents and the families actually found a culturally uh, acceptable way to solve a very important and very urgent issue that and then then so they can take care of their they could take care of their daughters but not in the capacity of daughters, but in the capacity of uh, uh, gods. And sort of this transformation actually was what drew me into it. But when I started uh, sort of from there and I started looking at the whole process, right? Like I said, uh, 40 years later, um, it started with 25 uh, ladies' tomb. They were buried together, but they have had their god statues made separately
1: was um a tomb that that was erected in the middle of Kaohsiung as a memorial um tomb right
0: right yes right. No. right and 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 probably the the tomb the collective barrier existed was also because well these were bad deaths right these were not kind of a good death these were uh, uh people who died uh, at the wrong time, in a wrong phase of their lives. and so since they couldn't go on, and so then the the families then decided to bury them together. And so therefore we had 25 uh, uh, maiden ladies tomb. and the story began from there, right? And then then the guard statues then were made for the families to welcome their spirits home, but not the the bodies. But then, what? Then, when I started looking at that process, of course, then 40 years later, the Gaosheng City Government actually renovated this collective burial into a memorial park for women laborers. So, 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 therefore, these sort of for me, these added into another layer, right? I was interested in how. Uh uh, uh uh Taiwanese people or people in general find a uh, 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 culturally uh, acceptable ways to solve uh a, a kind of a conundrum uh, in life and which is allowed by culture okay but at the same time uh remember i started saying that oh the whole point for me to go to Kaohsiung is to look at the uh, revival of city economy through uh transforming transformation of built environment and so in that regard it seems that this very small story to begin with actually embodies the very the very transformation from a collective burial, which is not good to look at, which Taiwanese or Chinese people would not want to go uh, near uh, because it's 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 their people, right? And no and it's st- unwed unwed woman, right? Exactly. Yes. Right. Thank you. Um, So they might be looking for husbands, which in this case they didn't, but but they they could, they might, right? And so the the city actually tried to get rid of this sort of a, a ghostly image and then transform the collective uh, burial, a tomb basically, right, a graveyard, a tomb into a more sanitized look, uh, sanitized uh, sort of a, a, a looking park, and 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 for me that this very small, probably a small park, then actually uh, exemplified the larger process, right, of Kaohsiung's transformation. But even larger is the very kind of a, a logic of capitalism at our time time that is to use uh, a, a kind of a, a, a urban landscape that is to use culture that is to use something kind of a, that sparks people's interest to kind of make money basically and and so in in all these aspects seems to kind of a draw together my my different interest and and it 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 became I didn't expect it become it it took become such a sort of a uh, large project to begin with. But at the end, I found, oh, cool. I actually uh, I could use this uh, similarly small story to articulate a lot of very important kind of a social, cultural processes and political processes, actually, that are happening in Taiwan.
1: Yeah, what I... Um, thank you so so much for that. That was, that was um, a really... Fascinating way of understanding how you entered um, the lives of these 25 unwed women were no longer alive, but how you entered their lives and their family lives um, and also um, you, you gave a really, really good overview of, of their deaths and the fa- ferry accident and um, leading to the tomb and then the park um what i really enjoyed about this book and it's kind of a continuation of your earlier earlier work is how you're able to um and, and you kind of claim this in the book itself how you're able to narrate um the dual dual identity of the deceased unwed woman as both um unwed woman but also industrial workers so in this story the reader really learns a very unique way of understanding um industrial development in and, and Taiwan from a very, um, you know, unique perspective of, of woman. And um, this leads me to, to chapter two, um, The Significance of Insignificant People, um, which you begin with the lyrics of a Taiwanese pop song called um, Lon- Lone Girl's Dream. Um, and in this song, the song is about a young girl who leaves her parents and rural life to search for a factory job in Taipei. To this day, the song triggers sad emotional responses from men who, he- in hearing this song, lone girls dream. They recall memories of the hardship life of their sisters in their youth, working as industrial workers. As the chapter unfolds, you expand to inform the reader about Taiwan's divisions of labor between men and women. Um, can you talk a bit about this? what was what role did women workers play in Taiwan's recent history, the industrial history in particular, um within society and within families? Why were these men that you that you spoke to in Taiwan today so moved
0: by this song Lone Girl's Dream? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> let let me let me start uh, uh, by telling our listeners a little bit about the the, the story that they pretending to long girl's dream, and the uh, those men who uh, sort of uh, uh, who kind of had such a, a strong emotion when they listened to the the song in my story, in this story actually I found a real story. Actually, most of them were uh, university college professors, and and they all they were all male. And they would say that, "Oh, oh this the story, the, the song tells the story of my youngest sister. The story tells the songs of my well uh, eldest uh, 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 sister and who sacrificed uh, their own uh, schooling and and stop uh, start uh, stop their education at a very young age, probably right after uh, elementary school, which at that time was uh, uh, six years. And and the, the background we were we are talking about here is uh nineteen sixties and onwards nineteen seventies. So, so essentially the very beginning of uh, Taiwan's uh, export-oriented industrialization that is to was to produce uh, uh manufacturing industrial uh, goods, commodities for the world market. Um and 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 of course, Taiwan uh, uh, right now people don't talk about that uh, uh, part of the history as much. But before China became the world's a um, uh, 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 manufacturing house, and uh, it was actually uh, the four Asian dragons, right, the way we call it. Um, and of course, the, before that was uh, Japan, uh, that first uh, took uh, over and took up the uh, the the role of uh, world's manufacturing. But as soon as uh, Japan uh, after World War II, uh, Japan took on that role uh, role first to produce commodities for the Western uh, world. And as soon as uh, Japan became too rich, if I may say, and labor became too expensive then the role actually passed down to the four Asian dragons, including Taiwan, including South Korea, including Singapore, and including Hong Kong. And so so Taiwan's um, uh, export, the history of uh, post-war history of uh, industrialization actually is very much how... Kind of the global assembly line uh, uh, began to establish uh, uh, worldwide, and so in 1960s and 1970s, and the 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 book. Uh, At that time, was the first generation uh, of Taiwanese uh, female workers, and so so at that time, then then a lot of uh, uh, Western kind of uh, industrial capitals then went into Taiwan and started establish uh, factories in Taiwan. And in light industries, uh, in particular, right garment, textile, uh, electro, uh, uh, consumer electronics, and, and so on and so forth. But of course, today it moves on to, to uh, uh, computer chips, which is another story. Taiwan <laughs> was no longer simply um, a kind of a, a producing chip commodities, but has moved on to produce very important strategic, ministry strategic uh, uh, chips for the world. But that that is a different chapter of Taiwan's economy. And this beginning chapter actually was, I mean, and just imagine, right, in, 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 in your mind, uh, please start to kind of uh, in, in see, right, envision that the land suddenly was uh, full of factories at first a, a kind of uh, uh, invested by Western capital. And um, and then they started uh, uh, to to uh, uh, they needed workers. Right. And, and so at that time, before this time, the women, of course, had no kind of uh, paid jobs. In the, uh, the job market, because in agricultural economy, basically you farmed your land and you ate from your land. Or you had very little. You had probably land, a lot of work, but very little kind of a a, a cash uh, a, a, a to you. You you didn't earn that, right? And so a lot of families were actually in 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 poverty. And so as soon as and a lot of women, so particularly young women, were well, they they had. Not much to do, although they really wanted to do a lot of things, make money, um, but there was not much to do. But as soon as the factories came in, then, and, and a lot of these women then began, and men too, I have to say, it's young men and young women both were recruited immediately into uh, 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 in these industrial. Industrial sector, and 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 so this is a world, uh, island wide, uh, uh, nationwide, island wide phenomenon. But in Kaohsiung in particular, as I say, uh, Kaohsiung's export processing zone was the first uh, uh, of its kind in the world, and really sort of set the model for later countries to kind of emulate and 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 and. And two, but in this in these export processing zones, right? And basically, there's the there's no uh, very low tax. There's a lot of incentives to entice uh, 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 foreign, basically, and and slat, uh, aka Western uh, industrial capital, and and so 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 as soon as that is was set up in Kaohsiung, then immediately uh, uh, young women in the surrounding uh, 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 rural areas were recruited into working in in the zone. And I think for readers who are familiar with kind of a, a gender and global industrialization, this actually is a, a very familiar story, right? And it, it probably started and Taiwan did it first. And in China, uh, the story told in China is Similar, right? And now we can sort of see in Southeast Asia, it is a, a similar story that when a country started to uh, uh, take off uh, based on industrial uh, manufacturing, uh, then it was usually uh, young women who were first kind of recruited into it, and so that that is what we are seeing here, and um, and of course this sort of this changed the the not exactly changed the division of labor in the family uh, in the sense that women young women continue to carry a lot of uh, domestic chores after they finish a day of work, right, really tired coming home, they continue to, like, wash uh, clothes and wash dishes, taking care of the younger siblings and helping their mother in particular, kind of uh, uh, doing uh, domestic work, housework, and they continue to to do do that but what was changed is that uh, daughters used to be like well they they had no use right because well what could they do there was no jobs and there were no jobs for them to do they basically could just consume rice until the day they were married off but now suddenly they became the major cash income uh, they they make money basically they bring they brought in the much needed cash income and regularly into the family right and so i think that changed the way or changed the perception <clears throat> sorry changed the 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 importance, if not perception, but the importance, the 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 importance of uh and the significance of, of, of women, young women in particular, in that early days in, in 1960s, 70s, even uh uh going on to the the 80s. Um and and the reason that I named uh a chapter two, the significance of insignificant people, is sort of a uh, deliberately being kind of a uh, ironic because well. The, the, the reason, the, re, the women workers, obviously, are significant, right? They are significant to Taiwan's uh, 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 industrial takeoff and economic development. And they are significant to their families because they help to bring in much-needed cash income. But the reason that they, they became so important or uh, uh, indispensable in the industrial structure or economic structure they they were daughters and so they were considered uh, one day they would married and as soon as they married they would n- uh, no longer work for wages but became mothers and and uh, good mothers good wives and 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 uh, 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 their sons right and so so there 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 is this sort of like the trajectory that uh, was envisioned for them and then put them in a secondary position uh, uh, or uh, put, put them in a secondary position in sort of the importance of the family. But then that Deemed insignificant, edge made them so indispensable. Made them cheap, right? Made them uh, temporary, so they could always be uh, displaced by younger workers, more able-bodied workers, right? And and that is precisely made them so significant in their family economy and. Um, in the Taiwan's uh, Taiwan's economic uh, development at large, right? And so I think, I think you you and and to look at them, then the their importance is precisely predicated on their uh, uh, assumed in, in unimportant. In, being and 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 that that is sort of what I'm looking at this paradox and this this dilemma that that they are facing or the families are facing, at that yeah. time.
1: Yeah, from mm. my reading, the insignificance here was also referring. I mean, like you, you you when you were um like you were saying earlier, the kind of patrilineal paradigm. Um, they're insignificant at that level because uh, if they're unwed industrial workers. They haven't yet reached their status as um, perhaps mothers, daughters-in-laws, um, wives. So that was my understanding of the insignificance.
0: I, because the the whole idea behind um, behind their insignificance at that particular moment was. I think Suvi, you put it in 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 uh, the uh, right. You are right down because they, at that time they were daughters, right? So so as as I mean, they should have gone on to get married. They should have uh, continued to bear sons, in particular, and children, but sons. They should have become somebody's uh, uh, mothers. They should have become somebody's mothers in law in the future. And then that, and then eventually they of course passed away. But the the whole idea of Taiwanese patrilineal system, it may cease that there is this is a sort of fulfilled life that at each stage then women actually change their roles so from uh daughters who kind of art with their parents and probably work and uh, be filial daughters working and contributing to their parents' uh, families and then move on to contributing uh, to their husbands and parents-in-law's families. I just want to
1: say one last thing about this chapter. <laughs> <laughs> what I really loved about it, um, and and going back to the song, you know, you know, the fact that um, you're referring to Taiwan's history, but you've also made references to to the larger kind of global capitalist movements. Um, but the fact that there are there's still remnants of this song that that triggers such an emotional response in these in these ad, adult men that and work you know as professors in these universities that you came across during your research, um, it really refers you know the, this affect that it has this affect of of, of these um, of the female industrial workers in Taiwanese history, it refers to what you what you call the industrial structure of, of feeling.
0: Yeah, thank you. And was just what you were talking and um, just now I was thinking, yeah, that that that's exactly what I, I tried at the end that what's what that is what I tried to capture the the affect part of it which is not uh, fully uh, uh developed in this book yet but i'm working on a small project to try to kind of extend this particular part of the the the, the story um and um it it is i think it, i and then and indeed i used the very term the industrial structure of feeling and i think we we would continue uh, and we can continue, we will continue to discuss more, but for now I think I would just say that essentially what I am I try to say right in this particular chapter uh, is to set the tone that the story of these 25 uh, uh, young women unmarried, who died unmarried, essentially their stories were the stories not only theirs, but the stories of their families, the stories of their cities, and the story of Taiwan as a whole. And I think Because of that, right, then then 40 years later, when the feminist community in Kaohsiung city uh, began to challenge the the city for kind of ignoring uh, this uh, obviously kind of ghostly place and haunted uh, place, then, then it it is this emotion, right, this effect that this is so much all of our story that kind of a trigger the 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 uh, strong reactions of all the parties that I essentially discussed in this book.
1: Chapter three um, comprises the part two of your book, and part two is titled Ghostscapes. Um, and in this chapter titled Filial Daughters, Pious Ghosts, you focus on families, the parished woman, the community they lived in, and the propriety they felt compelled to observe. And again, the affection they held for the deceased daughters and sisters. What were the motivations of these families efforts to save the dead? And why do the ghosts of these 25 women that died in the ferry accident continue
0: to haunt? <laughs> I want to, to. I think we we have started talking about this, so I will be short here. Um, and I want to clarify that these women actually never really haunted. The haunting is the sort of a, it's not simply imagination, but I think it it could be very real in in Taiwanese cosmology, right? Because these were, were, were are were are are unsettled kind of spirits, so. They have no home to go back to so there is always the possibility that they will make trouble but but i would like to emphasize that these 25 uh, young women were filial daughters right they were good filial daughters when they were alive and they actually continue to be good kind of spirits ghosts and therefore pious ghosts after they die they never really made Problems, uh, sort of a, a big problems or troubles for their families, and I think this probably speaks volume to to their characters. Both uh, when they both when uh, both when they were alive, and 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 now they are uh, they, they 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 are dead, right? So, so I just want to put that in. Um, and another thing I want to add is that we started talking about affects, right? And I think I I also like to. Sort of just highlight that. So, so the the families, of course, and, and in the logic of Taiwanese patrilineal system, nobody likes ghosts. Nobody, particularly, uh, uh, uh like to see uh unsettled ghosts and female ghosts because they are both and un- they they are unsettled and they they. Basically, sort of a, a, a discriminated uh, because of their gender and because of their marital status, and probably are the most potent, uh, uh, sort of a, 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 a potentially uh, a, a harmful uh, kind of spirits, right? Um, and 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 that is a very important consideration for the families trying to uh, uh, appease uh, uh, them. Therefore, they won't uh, make troubles for the families now and for the future descendants, right? Because you don't know when they will come back 100 years from now, 20 years from now. But I also want to, I mean, we talked about the significance of insignificant people and the effect. I think I also want to emphasize that in the minds of these parents, they also loved... Their they love their daughters dearly. And whether they are alive, they were alive or now they are dead. They loved their daughters dearly. And the the, the reason behind their uh, uh, making god statues in order for their uh, daughters to have homes is not simply because they want to appease these unsettled and potentially harmful uh, spirits, but also they love them. They couldn't uh, bear to see that their uh, daughters uh, to be forever homeless. And so I think I think these these this is important, and like I say, I I, I want to kind of uh, I, I would like to continue this line, just kind of uh, make uh, tease out the uh, nuance of of these uh, similarly contradictory uh, emotions, but and and uh, which actually led to uh, kind of similar solutions that that the families adopted. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop here. <laughs> Thank you so much, Anru.
1: Um, from here, we'll move away from from focus on the families to look at um, wider community efforts that responded to to the to the tombs, um, the 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 tomb commemorating these twenty five unwed women, um, and we'll move to chapter four, which addresses the ways feminist activists in Taiwan strategize public campaigns and frame public discourse on gender equality. And in doing so, you show how feminist activists in Kaohsiung see the memorialization of the ferry accident victims as an example of how the city discounts gender issues. Um, could you tell our listeners a bit more about what was so significant about how
0: feminist activists saw the maiden ladies tomb? Uh, Sufi, I think you 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 have already uh, 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 pointed out that um, the in the book I was uh, I gave or that the the women, the deceased uh, women were given a, a, a dual uh, role, right? On the one hand, they or they were uh, daughters. And on the other hand, they were industrial workers, and I think in a way this probably also speaks to uh, different kinds of uh, um, um, understanding of of uh, is a two, two systems of knowledge, if I may say, the the daughter, I mean, seeing them as daughters uh, prim- primarily by the the. The, the families and they were operating in the sort of uh, the knowledge system of uh, Taiwanese patrilineal uh, kingship and um and also popular religion right these two actually came together and for the feminists they actually they are uh operating uh, uh, exemplify or exemplify a uh, 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 another kind of a knowledge system that is kind of a more, if I may say, secular, um, and 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 then so they operating on uh, the assumptions of uh, gender equality, labor rights, um, and a progressive city, right, with kind of uh, these values to 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 uh, value an individual an individual as as uh, her own contribution, as opposed to uh, the kind of uh, family and social role that they played. And so that that is exactly the feminist uh, activist in Kaohsiung saw in the these women because they first saw the collective burial and then they saw the collective burial after uh, a few decades were actually kind of not abandoned but but nobody took care of uh, uh, the burial, right? And for them, they symbolized the. Uh, the uh, the cities, uh the city was not taking uh, 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 seriously gender issue. And so and in the context that Kaohsiung is an industrial city, I think what these uh, feminist activists directly though, right? I mean, it, it, it is strategically, but also directly <clears throat> then then tried and indeed succeeded in uh changing the discourse or the understanding of uh what these women were from ghost, from uh, daughters slash ghost and then to uh, uh productive uh industrial workers in the context of not just, in the context in particular in Taiwan's industrialization and Taiwan's national development, right? And these feminist activists actually then emphasize that without the contribution of these women laborers, not just this 25, but sort of uh, the whole generation or generations of young women workers like them, without them, then Taiwan will not be where it is today or Taiwan will not be what it is today, right? And so they emphasize uh, this particular kind of a productive role of uh, 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 these women or women workers, young women, Taiwan. Young women, and then, then, then behind their concern, or their ultimate concern, of course, is gender equality. That how can we, kind of, see, um, not just simply see the traditional family. Uh, uh, or gender uh, 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 roles, and, but can see how uh, uh, these uh, Taiwanese women actually are integral and important uh, part of Taiwan's modern history, okay? And so so I think what they are doing is to write her story as labor history, and they did succeed in doing it. Um, I guess I want. I, I could also. Uh, I would also like to say that, um, and, and I mentioned that, that I am also writing a story about Taiwan's sort of a political present, right? And 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 later, uh, Suvi, you're going to ask me because chapter five is about the the government, and one would ask why the city government sort of uh, so rightfully like uh, decided to follow what the uh, feminist activists say uh, or advocated. And it took a while. It didn't happen immediately, but essentially the city did comply to or did accept the feminist activist uh, proposal to change the term into a park, right? And then sort of a, uh, by doing so, then give uh, a different discourse to uh, a diff- to the stories of these women, and 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 in addition to to trying to give Kaohsiung a new image as opposed to sort of old industrial city, but a progressive uh, city with uh, a, a kind of a, a progressive values such, a, such as gender equality and labor rights, right? Um, I think the larger context uh, is also that um, um, the success of Taiwanese feminists also has to do with the very difficult uh, kind of international position of Taiwan. That is a de facto polity or nation, but it's de jure. It is not recognized uh, by many countries in the world as an independent country uh, because of the China factor and the objection of China. And so the visibility of Taiwan um, and and the participation of Taiwan in international kind of community organization has always been in the mind of the Taiwanese government, and I think many sort of uh, uh, Taiwanese people who, who who are thinking along this line. So so feminist activists actually kind of strategically they very uh, uh, kind of cleverly uh, 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 used uh, uh, the 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 discourse of theirs, right? Like well if you you if you the city could change the image and do something for the maiden ladies term, then that would be seen as the city embracing again progressive progressive values. And progressive values would be beneficial to a positive image of Taiwan that could be projected onto sort of an international community. And so, in that regard, I mean, feminist activists actually they they, they did very well strategically. They actually succeeded, and by bringing this sort of a, 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 a much larger kind of a, 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 a much larger concern of of Taiwan as a country or Taiwan as a Um, whole. I think
1: in your book, you write um, that they were able to I think this might even be direct words from from the chapter itself, that they refashioned global discourses of labor rights and gender equality to equate the lost souls to, to modernity in Taiwan standing in global ordering of urban civilization.
0: Um, yeah thank you yeah I think I wrote <laughs> it <laughs> I write I better than I speak
1: so're <laughs> you're, you're, speak, you're speaking very well but I just I love that center I love that sentence because it really positions um what you're saying that they were really able to to take this very local um case this very local incident to bring it to the the global discourse in order to strategically um, Give more merit to to these um, dead women's lives.
0: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm pretty happy that I could use the actually very small story to uh, to uh, to tell a big big a story to tell a big tale. I guess is that the way yeah to tell something much bigger than just a small local story. Yeah, um, honestly, I mean, just
1: for the listeners, as a reminder, this really is is such a such a wonderful and beautifully written example of how anthropologists do just that. So, really, you really have taken, you know, this very small incident that happened in 1970, fifty years ago, and and you've been able to position it and 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 current Taiwanese politics, but also larger, um, you know labor movements and 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 fights toward toward gender equality one thing that I really love about this chapter which I think you start with um, is this reminder of the language that's used to commemorate these women and um, I think it's through conversations with Professor Tang. Yeah. Uh, Sunye Shen. Sunye Shen. Yeah. Right. The yeah, so, right. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> so when Professor Tang moved to Kaohsiung, she was she ref, she was shocked uh, when she saw this tomb, not for the tomb itself but this reference to maiden so Nushu, Nushu. Um, and that's, I think that when I read, when I read, you know, your, your description of, of your, the book as well, I as well was taken <laughs> aback by this, this word maiden <laughs> on the tomb. And this, this brings us to the next chapter, um, where language, again, becomes a very important way of strategically um, kind of using, fighting, fighting local politics um, through this particular case and making local politics um g- you know, changing local politics to to, mm-hmm. to the planners um, and labor workers own um, desired outcome. Um, so chapter five is titled, Blue Collar Industrial City, Blue Collar Ocean Capital. That's such a beautiful title. <laughs>
0: it's <laughs> a he... long title but <laughs> I, I, I didn't invent it that was a blue color Oh yeah, ocean capital was the uh, the slogan of the Kaohsiung city government to kind of uh, try in their attempt to create a new image for the city yeah, yeah. I just use but but yeah it captured they, they did well <laughs> you, you did well it. you did well it's this kind of
1: juxtaposition of these two <laughs> these two um uh, camp slogans so here you move <laughs> away from feminist groups to consider how the labor workers movement also played a very crucial role in repackaging the past of, of these um 20 25 dead women and here it was so fascinating to learn um that rather than renaming the maiden ladies to into a memorial park for women laborers which is um what it was what, it, what it's called now is that correct right um the park was initially going to be called Workers Memorial Park. Um, how did the labor workers' movement get involved in the Maiden Ladies Tomb Project to even suggest this kind of naming of the park?
0: So, because because in, in the political sort of a landscape of, of Taiwan uh for the past few decades as well as now, Southern part, southern Taiwan is considered more sort of Taiwanese. And and whereas northern Taiwan, particularly Taipei, is considered more mm, not Chinese, but but you sort of see that the political kind of a um, um, inclination of southern Taiwan is more kind of grassroots Taiwanese, if I may 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 characterize that way you kind of see the the election results often uh, oftentimes reflect <laughs> that that the southern Taiwan's uh, many votes were usually goes to the currently it is the uh, central government Democratic uh, Progressive Party, which is Taiwan centered um, mm-hmm. um not not Taiwan centered party. uh but having said that so so um so Kaohsiung, and and what I try to say is that so so uh, the Kaohsiung City Government in the past few decades, right after the lifting of uh, martial law, particularly after uh, uh, the direct election of the mayor was implemented in, in early uh, 90s 1990s, then you. We began to see that uh, a kind of a successive uh, 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 mayors of Kaohsiung would recruit um, uh, social movements uh, uh, activists and participants, sort of important social movements activists, into the government, uh, city government, and of course, this is industrial city. So the labor bureau of the city then um, and, and 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 had. Uh, the the mayors, mayors, not just one, but the mayors had uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, recruited uh, uh, labor activists into the government, uh, city government. And I should also say that in addition to uh, uh, light industries like export processing zones uh, that was uh, uh, primarily recruiting uh, uh, women workers. And Kaohsiung is also the hub of heavy industries uh, of Taiwan, including uh, oil refinery, including uh, uh, steel making, including ship building, and petrochemicals. And so all these kind of upstream uh, uh, sectors of these industries actually are or were also in Taiwan uh, type Kaohsiung. And so... And then, which means that Kaohsiung, in addition to a huge number of women workers, there's also a huge number of male workers. Um, and then it just so happened that uh, labor movements in Taiwan uh, and, and many of these uh, 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 uh well, in, in the labor movement in Kaohsiung, uh, and and the successful labor movement Kaohsiung tended to focus on these uh, heavy industries, and and so so when labor activists were recruited into the uh, the government city government, you could imagine it is like a male right, um, uh, male labor activists uh, who worked on these labor movements uh, movements then were recruited. And so I think and now I would like to sort of use the language of my feminist activist, uh, not to kind of kind of put them against each other. No, I think in many regards, they actually. Have been working together or we're working towards the same goal to build a better Taiwan, a more equal and, 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 and in Taiwan. Right. But but then I think my, my feminist uh activist friends it would say, oh, those those males, they simply cannot think of gender as an issue, <laughs> which might be a joke, which might have some truth in it. And, and so at the beginning, when the uh, uh the civil Civil servants or these um, uh, people in the labor bureaus uh, learned about this story, and they they then were thinking about more um, what is called it's it's a, a, a work they saw it they saw the fairy incident that caused the death of these twenty five uh, women as a job related accident. Okay. Hey. And so so again, and and job-related accident then would lead to like memorial, workers' memorial. So there was no gender specific gender sort of indicated here. And and so when they started looking at this story, they immediately relate uh the the 25 uh workers in this case with job related acts and incidents and so that's why they started thinking oh we we could call them we could call the new park workers Memorial Park because it was immediately sort of a, a, a leading uh, uh uh it led them to think that way okay hey. and and as you pointed out um this chapter uh is, was the kind of a um, competition between different discourses, particularly this this discourse uh, kind of a framed by uh, developed by by uh, labor uh, activists <clears throat> and the discourse uh, uh, f- uh, kind of developed by feminist uh, activists. And so so at, and and at the end though at the end um, the feminist activists won over the labor, activist and and then that's why it became kind of a a, in a way if I could say that that might that might also have to do with that when the the burial was successfully transformed into the um a park it took a few years, right? as I said, and Kaohsiung at that time experienced four different mayors in just a few years. It was a kind of politically turmoil. Uh, it, it, it is an unsettling time uh, uh, for Kaohsiung as well. And, and that transformation, right, the renovation, it essentially was uh, 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 decided and implemented under two mayors who happen to be both female. So maybe maybe the feminist activists then had the years of uh, 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 female mayors. And so gender, as an important angle uh, of the story, then entered the discourse or was adopted by the, uh, the mayor, essentially, or by the city government, essentially. So as opposed to Workers Memorial Park, which kind of includes in a way more, probably more inclusive, but then, of course, it's both male and female. Then then it actually then picked up this emphasis that oh, we want to emphasize the, the gender, the female part uh, of the story. So essentially, it became a memorial park for women laborers, but not just simply work as a memorial park. And I, I would want to add that, okay, Taiwan is one of the first countries to have a National Workers' Memorial Day in the world. And it, it sounds funny that, I mean, I put it in kind of a funny way, but I think it speaks back to what I just said, right? The, the very desire for Taiwan to do the right thing, because Taiwan wants to be recognized as a good citizen in the international world international community which it in, in, in taiwan of course is not enjoying or didn't have doesn't have <laughs> as uh, uh, uh as being considered i mean it, it, because of these political kind of difficulties and so 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 that that is a story behind um kind of your question <laughs> thanks so much um
1: it's just so fascinating to learn about again how all the the micro and the macro layers of of the scheme um let's move um from away from the kind of ngo and political arena to look at the contestations and conflicts and concessions between the, the NGO and political arena and that of the families of the deceased. Um, and here we look at chapter six, which is titled Supernatural Beings, Modern Estate. And here I really enjoyed the way that you outline the numerous stages of spatial governance that come into play in the transformation of a site that was the home of the dead to that of a recreational park space. As you just described um, a kind of memorial park or industrial park. Uh, but also a site of recreation. Um, can you tell our listeners more about this? So, what were some of the biggest transformations in revamping the maiden Ladings tomb into a public park?
0: I actually like this this chapter a lot, and I think because I'm trained as an anthropologist, and I, I do appreciate the um the uh, the, the, the uh, kind of it culture, and I do appreciate to learn and to see how uh, popular religion uh, uh, kind of implemented and manifested itself in daily lives. And so the title of this chapter is Supernatural Beings and Modernist Days. Right. So I am like a putting two kind of a side by side um, against each other or side by side uh, to each other. Um, and I would highlight one particular kind of a uh, contending contention between the families, uh, and the city. Um, um, so, so having said that the families in order to solve the problems, that problem that their daughters were a married female ghost, right. And they made a uh, God statues. And, and so they could welcome a God home as opposed to a, a, a deceased, a married daughter home. Having said that, well, and in a way, I think in the minds of the families, they also understood that it—it's kind of it—it it could work, but it—they—they—they—they they, they, they continue to understand that their, their, their family, uh, their daughters died unmarried, right? Sort of, kind of that that stigma, that stigma, kind of embedded deeply in the uh, kind of Taiwanese cultural logic and in kingship and popular religion continue to be there. So one biggest contention between the the city government and the families, is that, well, the city government, in order to project a kind of a modernist uh, image, right, modern, global, cosmopolitan image, it chooses to, um, it chose to emphasize um, kind of a a labor rights and gender rights and so on and so forth. And and the idea of the mayor's office at that time was to get rid of all things that were that a ghostly anything that that would remind people this used to be a tomb had to be removed right? right and and so that that was basically the idea and they wanted to remove all the tomb I mean and uh we I I, I should give people a visual image so just try to imagine that this it's not a collective burial of one tomb only it actually is a collective burial with twenty five headstones. So each of these deceased women had their individual headstones, and they they were lined up in three rows, and 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 so that that is basically what we are we are looking at here, right? So the government wanted to basically remo- remove all these uh, 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 graves, basically individual graves, and instead to put kind of a, a, a public art uh a a piece modern public art sculpture in there and and but then and it was a long long process at the end they they it it ended up a compromise but but from the perspective of the families they continue and it's very interesting it's very telling and that the families actually like uh and they, they, of course, and they, they, they wanted the graves to remain, right? After all, this is their daughter's burial site. Without these, these dead women, there would be no park and no, 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 nothing here. And so, the their first choice was to have the tombs continue to be there. And if that couldn't happen, what they really like is to build a temple. And you sort of see that fascinating. Bethany's anthropologists like myself, right, they wanted to turn the burial into a temple, and, but not just any kind of a simple temple. They, in, they in particular, gave the example of this uh, it's a 18 uh, lords' temple in northern Taiwan, and they wanted to build a temple like that. And if I may, 18 Lords Temple in Taiwan is famous because it worships 17 humans who who were who died in a shipwreck and whose bones, whose bodies were washed ashore and picked up by people and, and then then buried together. It's, it's a very common story. But the, the unusual part is that the is the, 17 humans, right? Plus one dog. Their dog, who the story, as the story goes, well, seventy people had died, and their bodies were picked up and buried together, and there was, of course, a kind of a temple to pacify their spirits, right? And um, but the dog then died with them. Or either starve itself to death or jump into the tomb, uh, the burial, uh, to bury with uh, its uh, masters. And w- whatever version you want, but the story is that these 18 lords and and temple were was built to pacify these again right ghosts because they died. Unidentified and nobody knew where they came, so they needed to be settled again, right? And but then it turned out that uh, the this temple became a very popular temple. A lot of people then went to uh, go, actually, I should say, went and go to uh, seek help from these eighteen lords, right? And so essentially, this is a ghostly temple, and, and that that particular nature, and and but it turned into a, a major temple with a lot of worshipers and if you have worshippers then you have visitors you have visitors and you have people light uh lighting incenses and so the 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 gods or the ghosts then they will be not left alone they will be taken care of right and that is, is exactly the 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 one point that the families wanted their daughters to have so they were envisioning if they could transform the burial site into a temple right and remember and, and all these 25 uh, women have become gods or gods-to-be, right? And so they could also serve the masses like the 18 lords in northern Taiwan. So they they so wanted that to happen. But of course, from the city government's perspective, oh, no way, there's nothing like that would happen because that would, again, kind of a, a conjure the very kind of a traditional, if you may say Traditional, supernatural, superstitious uh, kind of image of of the place, right? And 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 I think that is the biggest uh, kind of a contending point between the families and the the state. But the end, like like always, the state, the political power, usually wins. And so, at the end, the twenty five uh, graves were removed, and the the bones were collected, and then and. Uh, a statue um not the statue and this is the compromised part right that not the statue like a public art a modern public art uh the city was envisioned and chose and and, and had chosen that that Families insisted having something like indicating the afterlife status of the family. So when you go to Kaohsiung, if you visit the memorial park for women laborer, and what you are going to see is uh, at where the graves originally were were uh, 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 located, you will see a, a lotus, a, a, a statue uh, on a pedestal. And the lotus is a budding lotus to indicating uh, to indicate the unmarried status of these girls, and it is Buddhist in uh, is a. A Buddhist metaphor, right? It's a lotus. And then under the lotus, there is a chamber, sealed chamber. Within the chamber there, these 25 urns of the bones picked up uh, after the removal of the graves uh, are uh, placed there. So that is what we will see today. And I think the biggest transformation is, you're not, if, if you, well, now our readers know, Readers, here know the story, so you know that that the statue is essentially a new kind of tomb, and and but if you don't know the, know the story, you never know that that's where the graves are were located. That you will see a a kind of a a, a new statue. It's a lotus, and you will not know uh, the background story, right? And then I think that when we talk about the biggest transformation, I think that that's sort of a that that is the biggest transformation, and that also indicates the very kind of a a, a contention, right? Two different belief systems uh, that are contending each other, and the result is a compromise. The kind of a you see different elements of these two knowledge systems uh, played out uh, there. Thank you.
1: That was a, such a brilliant description of, of chapter six. Um, moving on to the last chapter of the book called Beyond the Memorial, which is also part three um, titled Afterlife. And this chapter you, you write about the lasting effect of the 20 five maiden ladies' tombs after the completion of its renovation. I really enjoyed how you track the evolving representation of the finished finished memorial Park in this chapter through individuals, through policy, and through organizations that are advocating for change in Taiwan's feminist struggle and also in funeral reform. You also point out how these two movements, feminist struggle and funeral reform, often overlap in unexpected ways. Can you tell our listeners a bit more about this? Where are the overlaps and connections between feminist struggle and funeral reform in contemporary Taiwanese society?
0: Thank you. Um, um, I would like to start by saying that, well, post-martial uh, law Taiwan and and that was after late 1980s, and then Taiwan has uh, uh, evolved into a very vibrant uh, 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 sort of a, has a very vibrant civil society with all kinds of uh, uh, social activism's and movements, and and among which uh, uh, I think feminist or women's movement probably is one of the most successful ones and and there there is a long story to it. and so, but I think uh, I'm going oh, we, we can skip that now, but the, the readers the, will have to read the readers the <laughs> will have to
1: read the book.. <laughs> that's, 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 right. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: but but for now, it's like, well, uh, to to basically, Taiwanese feminist movement movements have, I mean, in, particularly in terms of legislation, And political reform, they have have accomplished so much, right? And and, and on top of my head, I couldn't, I cannot give you the list of laws that passed and all important uh, laws that regarding gender equality in terms of work, in terms of property, in terms of uh, mm, domestic violence and so on and so forth. And all those laws are laws now. And so, so, and then politically, Taiwan also passed laws that one third of the uh, uh, parliament, uh, the Congress, had has to be female. And and so, to the extent that Taiwan's actually right now has the percentage of female representatives actually certainly higher than Japan and Korea, the two major democratic uh, countries in East Asia, neighboring countries, but also uh, exceeding beyond the United States and UK. So it is, it, it is a great accomplishment. So the, the I mean, in, in short, Taiwanese feminist movements probably have accomplished what they could accomplish um, in terms of a legal reform and political reform. And this is my take, but I think it's probably shared by uh, a, a, a feminist activists in Taiwan that for me, and and I'm an anthropologist, so I think that's probably why I, I also feel like I would emphasize that. It seems that everything that feminists can do for women when they are alive, they have done it. They are close to accomplish it. Whether, of course, I mean, in reality, whether uh, women are really paid equal, kind of equal salaries like men, it's a different story. Right, it it, it is, a, but but at least by law they should be paid, right? And then and and so I would put that question aside from now. But one last one piece that that seems to be kind of a very kind of a a, a, a stubborn piece actually is what about if if female women can claim uh, equality uh, uh, with other genders when they are alive, what about after they die, right? And so that then is about funerals, that then is about afterlife, that actually kind of a, uh, 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 then it goes back to very deeply seeded cultural sort of a values uh, such as patrilineal system. If, if, if the system continues to uh, uh, need sons to to kind of uh, take care of the ancestors, and and and, and because of, and 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 in relation to that, if only sons or male descendants are because they if they are considered as true members and permanent members of the family, and therefore only they can perform important functions at. A funeral, right, of their elderly, whether it's father, mother, grandfather, grandmother, or ancestors, male or female, then, 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 then that means the very deeply seated cultural beliefs still exclude female from from being equal to men, right? So, so it seems that that the the these uh, kind of uh, cultural values. Relating to afterlife and relating to funeral became uh, have has become have become the last piece of the puzzle that we have to solve or last piece of the problem that we have to solve, and I think that is um, uh, 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 how feminist uh, movement and funeral reform then converge. Because and and by funeral reform, I also means, uh, uh, I also refer to cultural values and, um, such as what Chinese what Chinese New Year is coming right. Actually, it's today. Yeah. today is Chinese New Year. What we are recording yes. today is Chinese New Year's Eve, right? And then traditionally. And 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 daughters-in-law. Well, of course, Chinese New Year's Day, people start to visiting like families and friends, particularly friends. Right, that is important. After you kind of uh, eat in the reunion uh, dinner tonight, and then tomorrow morning <laughs> you will start visiting your friends, acquaintances, uh, acquaintances, or other families. But but. Daughters, daughters-in-law, daughters are said to, uh, that they should not eat reunion uh, dinner with their families on New Year's Eve. That will bring bad luck to the family. And daughters-in-law as, as also said that they cannot visit their families on New Year's Day, but the second day of the new year, because, well, their labor, or are needed, or they them as hosts are needed. Uh, is their their role as a whole host host are as needed, when you uh, the husbands or a uh, uh, father in law's friends and and come to visit that you have to uh, uh, receive them. You have to prepare probably food, right? Be a good host, so you cannot leave. Your husbands and mothers-in-laws home, and go back to your fathers and mothers home. Only on the second day, when all the duties are performed, uh, the day uh, uh, on the, pri- uh, the, uh, the 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 first day of New Year, then you can visit your families, and 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 so think things like this, right? And and they 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 very clear indicate the uh, differentiation between sons and daughters, between male uh, women and men in Taiwanese sort of a, a cultural imagination and, and cosmology right And this of course then extends to the funeral then and who can uh, perform uh, important functions like uh, holding the tablets of the disease, right and, and then it extends to the afterlife whose spirits can go to the ancestor tablet, not the unmarried daughters right only the the married daughters in law can go can have a place in in somebody's uh, uh, ancestral tablet so all these deeply seated cultural values then become the last kind of a struggle i think many many taiwanese uh uh families see these this has to be changed, otherwise all the success, right, all the triumphs over legal uh perform, uh, legal, legal system will stop when somebody dies, and when somebody dies, and then that seems to flip back to the kind of a centuries-long uh, uh, uh cultural beliefs, right? And and then I think it's at that particular juncture that we see uh a feminist uh, 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 uh Quite a lot of feminists are trying to transform these cultural values and, and practices. And, and, and to kind of answer your question, that is where we see the convergence of feminist struggle of funeral reform in contemporary Taiwanese society. By the way, waiting is a similar story. Waiting also, you kind of a traditional Taiwanese customs. also you see like, oh um, uh, you, you also see you also see it's a kind of a, this manifestation that uh, a, a, a bride is leaving home to join a family kind of there, that separation is clearly indicated at, at a wedding but only that wedding is a happy occasion so so <laughs> you probably get, and a funeral is not right and and waiting and then funeral is very important because as we know you can annoy your ancestor and you don't know how and when you annoy you 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 you, you annoy irritate your ancestors you don't know how they're going to react right and I think I think in in the minds of many Taiwanese and particularly the families that we are talking about here. And, and of course, if you don't mind, if you don't care, you don't care, right? If you don't believe, you don't believe. Then this doesn't matter to you. But I think the power of culture is you at at, at normal times, like nothing when had nothing unusual, nothing tragic happened to you or your family, you can say that yeah. I don't believe it, but when something happens like, like if a family member is ill or die suddenly and you couldn't explain it, and many Taiwanese would then go to seek help at the temple and and ask a God what happened or ask a spiritual a spirit medium to tell you what happened, right? So so I think I think that, that continues to be the situation even today, but uh yeah but so 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 funeral it becomes a very important kind of a kind of it you want to do funeral right because you don't want to irritate your ancestors and you don't know and ancestors can and, and and punish you now, your family now, or who knows, uh, uh, for future descendants, something may happen. So I think the the, the consideration of many Taiwanese and the sort of the power culture is that it's not just about you, right? I think this is different from Western sort of more bilateral kind of nuclear family structure that in, in Taiwan, you cannot just simply think about you. It's not just about you or your immediate family. It's about your ancestors who were before you, who died or who were before you. It's also about the descendants that will come after you. You don't know you don't want to endanger, you don't want to bring any bad things to them because you it, it you you don't want what to do something wrong, therefore, like if your future descendants will be punished, right? So I think it's a, it's a huge web of the social relations that we are talking about, and anybody is not just uh, 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 cannot just simply consider him or themselves. It is really about it, your decision actually has. Could have implications that affect a lot of people's dead or alive or who are yet to be born. Yeah, but but that's that's why kind of feminist struggle and funeral reform or waiting reform and this cultural values reform then come together because I think that the, that is the probably the last piece of the struggle that that they have to be able to accomplish.
1: Yeah, thank you so much, um, Anru. So to my understanding, even though it's un- it's an unfinished project, um, you, at least in your epilogue, you do a really um, beautiful job at summing up the numeral stages that the very accident victims have faced over the years. And ha- here I'm going to read directly from your book, <laughs> just because um, your words, the way you compile your ideas are just, um, yeah, just very... They really get the point across and and they're so beautifully articulated. So here you write from the original unremarkable graveyard in an isolated corner of Sijin to the second repositioned burial on the roadside of Sijin's main thoroughfare with an eye-catching memorial archware and to the third and final conversion involving the removal of individual graves and the establishment of a budding lotus sculpture with a carefully crafted epitaph. The relocation and renovation of the maiden lady's tomb over the years was a state-sanctioned process of making bad deaths good by exalting private grieving into public remembrance. The young fairy accident victims were granted immortality and deified as national heroines. So here, even though you just clearly articulated there's still a lot of work to be done and there's still missing puzzles, um, what I really, what I really love about what you're able what you've articulated <laughs> in the book and and what you've summarized in this chapter is the optimism of the story and and um the optimism you know you do you do pay pay attention to the contestations and and the debate and the long processes of of giving these um accident victims these unwed women um, a place of, of their own um, you do you you you're not naive to to the hard work and this and the and the difficult moments that different key actors have had to make in order to give these very accident victims a space at the same time you really pay attention to the love and care that the young fairy victims have received since their death, and I was just wondering: would you say um, that this optimism that I, as a reader, experienced is is accurate? <laughs> is that something that you felt as a researcher, and is something that you did try to maybe um, articulate in in your research? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I like your reading. <laughs> um I'm I'm I I am glad that I sort of projected a sense of optimism, um which I probably was not intended. <laughs> um, um I I do I do think I I do think this is uh the ending is a happy ending in the sense that um, of course, uh, people can. Well, the the essentially are yeah, three three players in the three three parties of interest in the story. Right, the deceased families, um, the uh, feminist community. And the state, and 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 represented by the city, Kaohsiung City Government, I think, and they could continue to say, "Oh, we like this that this was not done." But I think at the end, uh, three all all these three uh, uh, parties are are were contented. I should say, they they they. Would accept this uh, result. I think it 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 kind of fulfills the the purpose, right? Because these three three parties they had their vision and um, version of what the story uh, the story stands for, and I think the the end result actually kind of accomplished what they try to do, um, try to try to accomplish, and and I think therefore I think it's a happy story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do, I do like to, I, yeah, I, I, I think, I think you, um, I don't know though. I mean, it's very interesting. <laughs> you want to break my <laughs> Break no, the optimism. I think the problem is that anthropology is so poos. We like we don't like happy stories. <laughs> but I I've been thinking about that and I
1: wonder why I wonder where that where that assumption comes from. And I think it's time to change that. And I, I honestly think your ethnography is a good example of of how the kind of ethnography that we we can be writing, compiling. And I mean it's obviously it's it depends on the situation, but um it it's it's um it's a book that is heavily, you know backed up by empirical research so it's not like you're naive to um, the contestations and the difficulties of, of getting this project uh, moving forward because there were as you've now clearly highlighted mm-hmm. there's clear clashes and knowledge production and cosmo- um, cosmology um cosmologies and in, in understandings of the world and discourses and and um, there's clear clashes in all of this so it's not like you're naive to that um so in that sense i'm i i see that as i see this book as a as a as a relief um um you know, it, it's it's relief to read it as because it's such a good example no. of of heavily researched um ethnography um and that doesn't carry that you know anthropologists um kind of aggression <laughs> maybe <laughs>
0: I I I guess and that it would, doesn't have a rom- and again yeah. it doesn't have a
1: romantic tone, which is the other, which which is you know sometimes where you what you can easily fall on if something, if research yeah. it doesn't look at the conflicts or or um, um yeah the the disagreements and so forth. So yeah, you also yeah. very much don't romanticize any of the victims or or um any of the key players
0: involved. Thank you, I like the way you put it, <laughs> <laughs> but
1: maybe that's and, a discussion uh, for another day. I'm wondering if these are
0: right, yeah, right, but I do think that I mean our world is so messy now, right? There are so many tragedies and so many problems now, and I think I one one thing I see the contribution of anthropology, of course, like you say, we are not naive, and we do see the very kind of a negative, very sort of a negative side of the humanity or human history or human society and culture. But I think what attracted me to anthropology and continues, and, and I continue to believe and tell my students is that anthropology also, we are really a human-centered discipline. And I think what I try to do is to see Kind of. It. I mean, of course, we are all conditioned by the environments, the circumstances that we are living in, and, and and in in that particular context. But at the same time, I think I I also try to find uh, meanings, right? Meaningful, meaningful meanings. This redundant, but meaningful meanings, and the very emotion and 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 the 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 care, the 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 efforts that all of us try uh, put in to find. Sort of some uh, relevance and 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 try to find dignity for us and for those around us, and I think this is manifested in the story of these twenty five uh, maiden ladies, and and of course they 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 nobody, I mean the ghosts, right? But then ghosts is one thing, but people also see them in another light and and treasure them and 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 sympathize their uh kind of early deaths and empathize uh, uh with their situations. And I think I try to to bring that out, I think, and, and I think that's what in a way, I think that's part of our well, our, our job and our task and, and also our mission to bring out all these different aspects of the humanity, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. To you know, this is a tragic story that you tell, but it's also one of love and, and joy and, um, and um, memory and memory, you know, very good commemoration.
0: Um, thank you, you made my day. You. I'm very happy. <laughs> well,
1: I'm glad I've done that on Chinese New Year because hopefully that brings
0: some good luck right. and fortune. Oh, for ooh, yay! Yeah, no, no, I yeah, it was such a yeah, everything. Everything turns out well, good. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, <laughs> thank you um, so
1: much. Well, thank you. I'm I'm really glad to hear that my optimism it was something. You know, it, it was it it wasn't something I just made up. It was is it was in it is in the book itself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, and really, I've taken up a lot of your time um, today on Chinese New Year. Um, but before we end today's episode, I wanted to ask you about what kind of projects you're currently working on. I know Haunted and just came out a couple of months ago. Um, but what you know, you've mentioned a few projects that you've been doing since, but do you mind um yeah, telling a bit more about what you've been thinking about and working on in the past months? Well, <laughs> just, uh,
0: just quickly one one short uh short sort of a small project is to take the very kind of a concept of a fact uh, a step further, right? And I'm thinking to really articulate kind of a taking departure from chapter two, the, the story, The Long Girl's Dream, that that story and to articulate um, uh, the very complicated emotion how uh, uh, humans have to juggle the sort of normative cultural constraints with uh, their uh, their emotion their love and 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 they and 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 what they feel for their their families and people matter to them I think that is one small project. That I, I I want to do, kind of continuing through this uh, uh book, but another big bigger big project actually book project which was concurrent actually with Haunted modernities, um is like I said I came to Kaohsiung because I want I uh, to study the transformation of built environment, uh in the context of reviving city economy, um and 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 to turn it into uh, something more pleasant, more enjoyable, and more useful uh, to tourists and investors. And, and, and so my, my actually another book project, which I have been collecting data for as long as Haunted Modernities, um, is the subway project, as I call it. So I look at the two mass rapid transit systems, two subway systems in Taipei and Kaohsiung, and to articulate the political economic uh, importance uh, of uh, these two, these these, uh, mega infrastructure projects and of course, the sort of a cultural and symbolic meanings that the the subways carried, and and simply put, they are not simply they are very important transportation uh, uh, means, right? Means of transportation, and to solve the kind of a traffic and 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 problems in these two cities. But it it is more than that, and and again, it's sort of a similar to what I'm doing here, and about. Uh, placemaking, right, about creating a new sort of a civic culture and uh, a a new cultural trajectory, and that's what I'm working on. So hopefully like in not too many years that we can have another conversation (laughs) (laughs) here so (laughs) i very
1: much look for i very much look forward to that and i'm sure our listeners do as well um again thank you so so much thank you so much unruly for for coming today and and talking about your your Beautiful book, Haunted Modernities, Um, Gender, Memory and Placemaking in Post Industrial Taiwan. Um, thank you, Anru, and, and um thank you our listeners. I want to remind everybody that um haunted modernities is going is trans is will be translated into into um traditional Chinese for Taiwanese audience um sorry, tradi- traditional Chinese for Taiwanese audiences, is that correct, Anru? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. So if you don't already have a copy of the book, then I recommend you get the English version published by Hawaii Press. And for um, Chinese listeners, if you prefer reading it in the Chinese language, um, wait. A couple of months maybe no, maybe a year <laughs> probably 20,
0: 20, 20 25 actually yes so wait wait, year, a, yeah. wait a year
1: um and you can you can access the the book in Chinese as well um thank you Anru happy new year thank you. happy and, new year uh, happy new year and thank you listeners and um have a good week bye bye <laughs>